0: Um, so today we'll continue, I think we're on to verse 8, that means we have two more messages left, that means two more verses left, verse 9 and 10, I want to encourage you to persevere, we're almost there, we're almost there, so I encourage you to continue to work at <coughs> memorizing the verse. Uh, today I want to start out with a, uh, with a question, uh, if, I have to ask, if I were to ask you what would be the love chapter of the Bible, which chapter would you say it is? Most of us would probably say 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the go-to passage where most of the wedding that you attend, a Christian wedding especially, would say, and the the verse says this, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not irritable, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, endures all things. Love never ends. What a poetic, beautiful summary of what love is. And in fact, most of us would look at that passage and say, man, that is the definitive love chapter. And what I would like to do today is this, to convince you otherwise that I would like to make a case for you that the passage we read earlier in First John chapter 4 verse 7 to 21 actually is the more definitive chapter for love. Because the word love used in First chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 only 8 times. But if you pay attention earlier when Stephen was reading and you're following along, the word love showed up 27 times in just those 14 verses. So without putting down what Paul said, his powerful word and beautiful word in First Corinthians 13, I would like for us to see today from the message that John has a lot to say about God's love and your love toward other people. Because what we will see is that John's love is central to every one of us who are believers. One of the things that you, if you want to write down, it's not on the paper. Is this this truth I want you to get? Is there is no private love for God. Without public love for others. This is. You want to fall asleep after this. Hopefully you don't. But this is the truth. That I want you to get away with. Is this. There is no private love for God. Without public love. Toward others. You cannot say you love God. Without loving others. And that's what John is. Is pounding into. The people. His audience. In 1st John chapter 4. If you have your Bible with you. Again. I hope you do. Please turn to 1st John chapter 1. uh, Chapter 4. Verse 7. Right from the beginning, verse 7, John says this. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Previously, twice, he already talked about this command, love one another. We saw that when he was describing God as light, because God is light. We should love one another in chapter 2. But also in chapter 3, when he first declared this second major section of the the letter, he said, God is also love. That we ought to love one another in chapter 3 as well. But here he repeated again for the third time, not because John was old, but because John knew that love is often very easily lost among people, among the believers. It's hard sometimes, it's harder to lose theology than to lose love. See, people can believe in the theology about God, can, can read all these books, knowledge of God, yet loving one another is the first thing to go over time. And when we're not careful, when we're not intentional about showing love to one another as believers, love goes first. That's the reason why John emphasized 27 times about love or to love someone in this passage. In fact, he gave us three reasons why. Three reasons why you and I as believers, and I hear I'm speaking specifically to Christians, that why we ought to love. And I want to go through with uh, these three reasons with you. The first reason is this. The first reason is a theological reason. It has to do with your view of who God is, uh, your understanding of God. The first reason why you must love one another is because God Himself is love. That's who God is in His nature. That's who God is by nature. He is love. If you have, uh, again, if you have your Bible with you, the ver- uh, we want to start with verse seven. Here's what it says: He gave the command to love one another, and then He follows up with why. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. First thing we see is love is from God. Sources of real love is from God. It is not from human beings, it is not from nice people. If we want love, we need to go to God. And then he follows and says this And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. God is love. Those three words can be very simple, and yet we often forget it. God is love. Now, before we overinterpret that God is love, it does not mean that love is God either. Okay, it only goes one way. God is love. What John is saying is, this, everything that God does, He does it out of love. Remember the call to uh, call to worship passage, in Psalm 136, Hannah read earlier. In His creation, the reason why the psalmist put that His faithful love endures forever. It is to remind us that whatever God does, He does it out of love. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. He didn't do it because it was bored. He did it because He loves us. He loves His creation. That is the bottom line of who God is. But His love doesn't trump His justice. He doesn't just sweep things under the rug and say pretend nothing happened. His justice is as full as His love. But John said, God is love. This is the reason why you and I must love. That's who God is. Like imagine if you have a hose that is connected to a running water, uh, a a, a faucet. The moment that hose connected to the faucet, water will run out of the hose. Imagine if a wire connected to to the switch that has power. Electricity will go through the wire. Imagine a tree and a branch that's connected to a a trunk and a root system that is vibrant. Zap will come out and feed the, the plant, the tree. In the same way. As believers, as men and women, boys and girls who are connected to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, if we are connected to Him, we, what, 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 what comes out of us ought to be love. Let me put it in a more graphic way. If a Christian is cut, we better bleed love. See, as Christians, that's who God is and subsequently, that's who we, that's who we are. Because we're connected to the source of love. We're connected to the one who is love. So how can, how can it be that our life doesn't exhibit love? And Paul put it, uh, John put it in this way, in a very definitive way. Because in verse six, uh, 7 to 8, he says this. He both gives us those, the positive and the negative. In verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God. See, John, in typical John fashion, make a very uh, very definitive contrast. He doesn't allow us to live in the 50 shades of gray. I kind of love, I kind of don't. I sort of do, but I sort of don't. John said, if you love, either you love or you don't love. And the reason why is because he wants us to understand that this is essential to who we are as believers. But you see, God is love. He doesn't just say that he's love. Because we know in, in, in uh, John, chapter, John chapter 3, verse 18, that love is not just about words or, or or tongues, but it's about actions and truth. God himself does not just blast in the sky and the heaven and say, Gu- guys, I love you. But he actually did something because John went on in verse 9 tells us what God did. God loves what God's love was revealed among us in this way. Before I tell you how he was revealed, God's love was revealed. That's an important fact because how did John know that God's love was revealed? Because John was there. And how was John? How did John know that it was tangible love that he felt? Because he went on and says this, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. See, God did not just make some fluffy, good feeling of love just spread the world. He sent his only son into the world, flesh and blood, that, some, that people like John could interact with, for, to live with for three years. People that can see him dying on the cross, people see him resurrected. It is a real life that happened. And God's love is tangible. It is actionable. It is visible, observable. But what we need to understand is that that love is not just a typical human love that we're familiar with. See, there are three types of love. One is romantic love. That you watch TV, watch movies, and listen to songs that talks about the most. There's familial love, love between the family, that you have for your brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, niece, nephew, you name them. And then there's a third type of love, which is the word that was used here. I think in English, it's kind of hard to see because it's just the word L-O-V-E. But in the original language, it was the word used agape agape love what is agape love he explains to us john john wilde he doesn't say it uh, doesn't he used the word and uh, didn't assume that people understand what agape love is because in verse 10 he says this agape love every time you see the word love here you can substitute the word agape here's what he says the love is love consists in this agape consists in this not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. There are three things we see about this agape love. The first one is this, agape love is unconditional. There's nothing you can do to get agape love. Agape love is unconditional. Just like my kids, there's nothing that they can do. I, we just give birth to them. We give them life. Like We love them not because they can pay the bills, that they, they did their bad, or they can somehow take care of us in the future. We love them because they're our kids. It's unconditional. Titus 3, 4-5 says this. Oh, actually, go back to First John 4, uh, uh, 10 says this. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Nothing we do to earn this love from God. We never wanted to love God in the first place. But God loves us. Titus 3, 5 says this. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. When he got appeared, not because at that time, while Jesus was on earth, the people got better. They did a better job and sinned less. They sinned just as much as Abraham did, as much as Adam and Eve did. But God showed up. Why? Because he wanted to show, up for, show love to us, a love that is unconditional, that is not hinged on our work. Because verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Mercy is something that we don't deserve. And that is the love of God. Not only is it unconditional. It says this. It is also self-sacrificing. It costs something. It is not cheap. It is not convenient. It costs a life. Because uh, you go back to 1 John. In verse 10 it says this. Love consists of this, that we love God, but that He, lo- we, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice. If you remember chapter 2, we have the same phrase, atoning sacrifice. The perfect Lamb, the perfect person, sinless per, uh, man on, the only sinless man on earth, sacrificing his own life for you and I. First Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? So that he may bring you and I to God. He was put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit. You see, people in John's time thought that, some some false teachers thought that Jesus never died. Jesus pretended to die. It was not real death. He was just this spirit. He pretended to hide in 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 the tomb. And in reality, he was never dead. But John is making very clear for us. No, it was atoning sacrifice in flesh. It's a real person. He died for you and I. It is something that he, cost him his life. So that's love. So that love is not only unconditional, self-sacrificing. Last one is this. It is others centered. Because why did he have to die on the cross? 1 John 4, 10 continues as this, for our sins. Jesus, here, don't miss this. Jesus did not die because he, because you're good. Jesus did not die Because you came to worship him. In fact, Jesus did not die because you were living a good Christian life. John tells us the reason why he died is for our sins. He is so other-centered that he's dying even for people who are his enemies. Romans 5, he tells us, while we're still sinners, Christ already died for us. And let that sink in a little bit. He did not die for their best friend, his own offspring, his own sons and daughters. He died for people who were against him. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time a country go to war to save their enemies? Every war and battle was fought to defend my own freedom and rights. Yet Jesus came from heaven to earth for his enemies. That's why agape love is not the type of love that you and I can, go, can do on our own. Because you and I would never, ever die for our enemies. Not in the right mind will we go and love the enemies that cause us. We want revenge. But yet that is the love that God has shown us. God is love. God is agape, the unconditional, self-sacrificing, other-send of love. And, and now this coming week, we have a good opportunity to remember that. If you don't know, this coming week, this next Sunday will be Easter Sunday. Friday will be Good Friday. Traditionally in Christianity, this coming week is called Passion Week. It's called Passion Week not because Jesus is really excited about dying. It's called Passion Week because in Latin, passion, another translation for the word passion is suffering. So starting today, as Stephen explained earlier, from from the the brightest of day, the greatest of day of Jesus being worshipped, People are saying, Hosanna, the anointed one will come from now, from this day forward till Friday. He will be ushered from bright to darkness. That every single day will turn to, in 2000, over 2,000 years ago. Every day as he approaches the, down the week, his life got a little worse until Friday night when he died on the cross. And for Saturday." There will be nothing because there will be a day that he would anticipate for his return. So if we want, here's what I want to encourage you to do. In the back of your notes, there is a devotional. I want to encourage you to spend time reading the passage this coming week because unless we get a grasp of God's deep love for us, we will never be able to love people the same way that Christ has loved us. I want to encourage you to come this coming Friday, the Good Friday service. Show up next Sunday for Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. You see, you cannot love unless you understand that God is love. And the best example of God being love for us is his death on the cross and resurrection. So this week, I, I, I encourage you to spend time meditating of this unconditional self-sacrificing other center, even for enemies type of love. Because we need to remember well. That God is love. And that is the first reason why we ought to love. John said, theologically, unless you know God, unless you know that God is love, you will never love. Here's the second reason he went on in verse 11. The second reason is this. It is a reciprocal reason. Reciprocal means it's a returning. If someone do something for you, you do something back. It's a reciprocal reason. Here's what it says in verse 11. Dear friends, if God loves us in this way, we also must love one another. Let me read it again. It, dear friends, if God loves us in this way, we also must love one another. Now hopefully you kind of catch it and say, Ben, you just said that reciprocal is someone do something for you and you do something back. But then when we read the verse, that's not what it says. He says God loves us and we should love who? Who should we love? One another. He didn't say love God. Because if it's reciprocal, you should say, if God loved us in this way, we must also love who? God. But he doesn't. So either I'm wrong or John's wrong. Who do you think is wrong? No, we're both right. Because John is not saying. The reason why, you see, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Why does God call us to love others? It makes so much sense to love God. Right? He loves us, but we don't love, why, why does he call us to love him? Well, she did, right? The greatest commandment. Good to the next slide, please. The greatest commandment is love God, but then it was followed up with love your neighbors as yourself. And, actually, I don't have it on there. Mark 12, 30, 31. Why is it that we must love other people? Here's the reason why. The reason why God calls us to love other people and not reciprocate back to Him is this. God doesn't need anything from you. God doesn't need anything from you. There's nothing you can give to God that God doesn't have already. In the same way, there's nothing that I need for my kids. We did not give birth to our kids because they can pay us back. If it's the case, I won't give birth to them in the first place. I don't want to lose anything. You see, there's nothing that you can do to love God back. But therefore, God said, there's nothing you can do to give me back what you want. What he wants you to do is this, love other people. You cannot love God back, but you need to love other people. And here's what—here's a crazy thing. Go to the next slide, please. If you are a believer, what John is saying, according to also in in combination of what Paul is saying in Romans 13 is this. Listen carefully. If you are a believer, you owe it to people to love them. You are indebted to people to love them. And look at the people around you. You owe it to them to love them. Why? Because you can't give anything to God back. So God said you need to give to other people. Romans chapter 13 verse 8 says this. Paul says this in this way. Why we're indebted. He says this. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. I want you to focus on the last part of this verse. We tend to think we love people because of other people look at the last part of that verse it says loving one another is what is fulfilling the what the law the law of god so you love people because you love god when you love people you're not just loving that person because that person deserve it that person is likable that person is lovable loving in its essence is obedience to god that's why we must love that's why we need to love That's why we're indebted. You're not indebted to Jonathan. You're not indebted to Victor. You're indebted to God. Therefore, you're indebted to those people to love them. You can't love God anymore. There's nothing that you can give to God. Therefore, you can love other people. That's what God calls us to do. That's what God calls believers to do. Jesus Himself said it best in Matthew chapter 5. When it comes to loving, it is so easy to love those who are close to us, who are similar to us, who we are close to, who we can have a similar interest in, have a relationship in. But look at this teaching by Jesus. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your fa- Heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is saying, if you love those around you, big deal. The worst a person will do, a criminal will do the same thing. In fact, go to a, go, well, don't go. Imagine if you talk to a gang person. Someone who is in gang love their brothers and sisters. Sometimes more than a church love their, uh, a member of a church love another member of a church. Why? Because that's the way of life in this world. We love people we love, but Jesus' love is different. That's why he said, be perfect, be perfectly level, be perfectly holy like Jesus because Jesus' love, the agape love is not dependent on that person if deserving of my love. Jesus loves you and I not because of who we are, in spite of who we are. And he's calling you and I to love the same people. So let's put it in practical term. How do I love people I don't like? Because I believe that there are people that you don't I don't like. You don't like their voice. You don't like their face. You don't like the, their action. You don't like whatever they talk, however they talk. How do we love those people? You don't like them. Here's the answer. The same way Jesus loves you. In a self-sacrificing, unconditional way, and other-centered way. Mark 10, 45 says this, For Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. So if you don't like that person, guess what? The way, the way you know whether you love that person or not, love him or her as if you lo- you like him or her. That's how Jesus wants us to love those around us. It does not depend on whether we like him or not, But we need to love them. We need to love them. Because Jesus loves us. So here's the first reason. Theological reason. Second reason. Reciprocal reason. Because we can't give back to God. But God calls it to give to others around us. Here's the third reason. The third reason for love is this. A practical reason. It's practical because of verse 12. Here's what it says. Very simply verse 12. No one has ever seen God. The reason why you need to love those around us, to love the one another in this church is because of this. There, no one has ever seen God. Nobody except Jesus Christ. And if no one has ever seen God, then people how do people feel the love of God? How can people tell that God exists when they can't see God? Guess what? You're the reason why people will get to see God. You're the reason why people get to experience God. Those of you in our youth group, we've been going through the several lessons on 30-hour famine. I've been meditating on those lessons a lot. And, and one of the things that God kind of really kept in my heart is this. That the only way God to show, the way for God to show justice in this world, to help the, those who are hungry and thirsty, the, the disenfranchised people, is not to call, call money food to drop from heaven on earth. You know how God, call, call, how God wants to save those people who are in need? Every verse that we've read is about using you and I to do that. He wants to use people, church, our, our, our family of believers to go out and make a difference for people because no one has ever seen God. So that's, therefore, you and I need to act and live in such a way that they will know God. This is the practical reason. If we don't love one another, if we don't love the people around us, they will never see the agape love that is so transformative, that is so radical in this world. If we only love those around us that we love, that we're close to. No one could see God. And imagine if Jesus. Came on earth and only loved the 12 disciples. Because they followed him. And yet he doesn't want to love the rest of the people in this world. And died on that cross. No one could see God. By the way this phrase was not only used in this, in this book. John himself used it again in the very first chapter. In his gospel of John chapter 1. He says this in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed Him. How did the world see God's love? John, in the Gospel of John chapter 1, says, the whole chapter, He developed this concept of incarnation. Jesus showed on earth, in flesh, as human being, lowered Himself from heaven to earth. He became like a human being, so that people can experience love. No one can see God. Guess what? God said, I'm going to send my Son to show you the love. So you can see and taste, we've heard and testify and declare. That's how how much God wants us to experience His love. He sent people, He sent Jesus Himself, and now He sent you and I to go show love to the world. The question is this: Are we showing love? See, there are people among us here, even in this church, that can that have a hard time seeing God today for whatever reason—maybe trials, circumstances, disappointment sin in their lives. They need one of us to show them love. They need two of us, three of us, all of us to show them love of God. A love that is transformative, a love that is radical, a love that is not because we like Him. And that's what God is calling us to do. That's what God is calling us to love and to be His love, the hands and feet in this world. And John gave us three reasons. But I think as you think about love, this type of love is difficult. If it's not impossible. Which one of us are willing to love to that extent? And in reality, think about this. Love a lot of times seems like it's a lot of giving. We're not taking anything. Right? When you love, you just, I give my time. I give my gifts. I give my money. I give my energy. What do I get? In some ways, it feels like we get nothing. But here's John reminds us. In giving, we're actually gaining. And in loving, we're actually receiving. Because here's what it says in verse 12, at the end of verse 12. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. When we love other people, two things happen. Two reality shows that one is that God remains in us. When we love one another, when we love other people, we actually, uh, there are evidence of two things that are going on in our life. The first thing is this, you're taking notes, is this. We have the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Every time when you love someone, that, that when you're loving on someone, you have the, it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is working inside of us. Because you are simply doing things that you will not do on your own. Here, verse 13 and verse uh, thirteen to, to 18, John explained these two kinds of God remains in us and God, uh, his, his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, it says this, this is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. See, when you love, it is a sign that you have the Holy Spirit. Because the verse tells us two things happen. The Holy Spirit helps us to do the impossible thing. The first one is this, verse 15, that He helps us to confess that Jesus is your Savior. That is something you simply cannot do on your own. No one has ever been able to do that on their own. The moment you understood the gospel, the Holy Spirit is already at work in your life. When you pray to receive Jesus, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to convince you. You have heard of the gospel many times. But for whatever reason, that one time, you understood it. That's the sign of the Holy Spirit. But not only that, it says also in verse 16 that you have come to know the love of God. The Holy Spirit helped you to unite your love with God's love. And now therefore, whenever you show love to other people, you can't actually love your enemies. And that is a radical, otherworldly type of love that you and I do not have have the power to do. See, every time we love, while we seem like we're giving, 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 what we get is that we know the Holy Spirit is working in our life. Here's the second thing, which leads to the second thing is, because we know the Holy Spirit is in us and working in us, it leads us to the second thing is this, we have confidence in the day of judgment. And let me put it another way. You can have assurance of salvation. You can know that when you stand before God, after you pass away and you go into heaven, you actually get the entrance into heaven. Look at what John said in verse 17. In this, in this, this is referring to the Holy Spirit in you. In this, because you have the Holy Spirit in you, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world we can have confidence that one day when we stand before God we have we have access into heaven. why not because you love you not because what you can do is because he has produced in you salvation through the Holy Spirit. Again you don't earn your way to salvation, but because you now have salvation, you have Christ in your life, Holy Spirit lives in you, produces the work. now you get to show this is evidence that you are you are saved from sin and you're free from sin. Now you can't go to heaven. You have evidence in your life. John went on in verse 18, says this, because perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. See, you and I can only love if we know that we're loved by God. See, the moment when we think that we're not loved by God, we will be hesitant to show love to other people. Because you're going to start thinking, what if I give it away, I don't get it back? What if I give money away and I don't get money back? What if I give my emotion away and these people don't re- reciprocate my love? See, loved people, love people. You heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people, right? The other way is also true, loved people people who are loved by God they can love people because now there's no fear in them they can stand before judgment of God and say and realize that they can enter into heaven because they knew there's nothing good in their place, in the life in the first place they've been bought with a price by Jesus Christ on death on the cross and there's no fear you can come before God God I I am I I am free from free from sin because of you and the Holy Spirit prove it to me Let me let me give you an analogy to to kind of Grassless. imagine you were well, imagine you guys all sitting in a chair except me so you were sitting in the chair when did you know that that chair is not going to fall when do you know that that chair is real when did you decide that man that chair is so real i'm going to put my whole way because none of you are sitting halfway on a chair you guys all sitting comfortably some of you falling asleep on the chair you trust that chair is real how did you know that you know how you can know that? Because you're still sitting on it. Because if at any moment you have doubt about that chair, guess what's gonna happen? What would you do? You stand up right away. But the fact that you're leaning comfortably, bobbing for apples on the chair tells me that you trust that chair completely. In the same way, the way you love people because you love people is a sign that you're trusting in Jesus. That your love is made complete full by Jesus. Now you have access to give love to other people. I bring back an analogy two weeks ago I gave you. About my eye contact solution. When you have a whole lot of eye contact solution. You can put in toothpaste too. Some of you guys don't wear contacts. When you have a a, a tube of toothpaste that's full. You are not stingy in squeezing out that last bit. right? But when you know that you're folding that thing up like my kids. You know there's very little left. And they don't want to tell me to buy a new one. What do you do? You just squeeze as little as possible. You just use a little bit of toothpaste just to brush your teeth, enough to so that you don't smell your mouth don't smell, right? In the same way, we ought to come before the Lord, receive His love daily through the Word and worship in gathering. And when we receive the love of God, it is a sign. To give us confidence that we're of God. We are His people. Here's what I want us to do. I hopefully all of you, if you don't have, if you have. Uh, can borrow it in the card? If you came in late and did not get one of these index paper, here's what I want you to do. Please hold your hand up, and the welcome team will give you a piece of paper. And please write your name and fold it in half and give it to them ASAP. Okay? Because here's what I want us to do. At the end of this passage, here's what John said. First John chapter four, verse 19. And want you listen carefully and take this seriously, because it's the word of God. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Here's the kicker at the end. The one who loves God must not can, not, when you're free, must also love his brother and sisters. John calls us a liar. We don't love one another. And I think that would not be a title that's fit for us who are Christians. Here's what I want us to do. Uh, and We're going to sing one more song and respond to the message of love of God today. And I believe all of our names on here, right? Everyone? Okay, because everyone is going to grab, oh, we're going to know who, who didn't put a name in later. Yeah. Everyone, then I'm going to judge you. Okay, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, everyone's name is here, okay? Uh, hopefully legible. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Um, we're in a response, I would, I would like to ask each one of you to grab a piece of name out. And if you see open is your name, please put it back and grab a different name, okay? Here's what I want us to do. Uh, we can hear this message and say, man, great, God's love is great, but then the command is for us to love one another. So I want to give us an opportunity to love one another. Now, you might draw a name. Like, I have no idea who this person is. Here's what you're going to do. After worship service, go find that person. If you uh, Find your friend who might know that person. Ask around to see who that person is, if you don't know that person. But if you do, let's say like you all assume that you all know each other's name. Here's what I want you to do. This coming week, I want to encourage you to do an act of love to the person. You can text the person. If you don't have number, ask for the number. Okay, guys, don't just ask for a number, okay, uh, for other reasons, okay? Um, if you can text a person a encouragement, if you can uh, buy a gift, I don't know, pray, ask how can you best love the person, call that person out to get boba, I don't know what you want to do, but let's be obedient to what God calls to do, because it is way too easy for us to read this command 27 times, read it through the passage, and yet walk out of the store and not love one another. Okay, so here's the instruction again. Everyone, uh, I'm going to pass the bag around, grab my name, hold on to it. And this week, I want to encourage you to love that person however way best to love that person. Okay? All right, so uh, let's close in a word of prayer. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll sing the response song. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this time. And God, thank you for showing us your love. Because your love is greater than our love. Your love is so transformative in our lives that we're saved by your love. And so, God, I pray that these four-letter words will not just be, be a, 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 a good saying on our mouth. And particularly for this coming week, God, I pray that we'll abide in your word this week and remember, refresh us once again, the death of, on, your death on the cross and the depth of your love for us. God, as we sing the next song, uh, All I Have Is Christ, God, I remind us once again, God, we're nothing without you. We have nothing without you. Oh God, help us. Help us to remember well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.